Hi, this is Trevor Jackson. Welcome to Tomorrow is Mine. Enitan Ibisami was raised by his grandparents in Nigeria while his four siblings and parents were living in America. Following high school graduation, Eni moved to the US to study a double major in chemistry and biochemistry after receiving a scholarship from the University of Kansas. When he arrived in the United States, it was a real culture shock for Eni. Certainly it wasn't the country he recognized from Hollywood movies or television. For the first time in his life, he was identified by others as being black, a label that carried with it strong social, cultural, racial, and historical significance. It was an experience that not only politicized any, but also the way he saw himself in the world. In Trump's America, it drove an ever-widening racial divide. And while America is now home for any, he spent most of his adult life as both a student and academic in the Commonwealth countries of New Zealand, Canada, and now Australia, where he's studying dentistry at Griffith University. With three more years of study remaining here, Eni has already been won over by the charms of the Gold Coast. And while his family is based in America, it remains to be seen where the road will lead him. But for now, Eni is one very content student in our city by the sea. Eni, first Nigerian student I've had on the podcast. Have you met many Nigerian students in Australia? Yes, yes, thank you for, for having me, appreciate uh, That's my pleasure, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. Yes, I've met a few Nigerian students here, but not as much as I thought I would, I would see around the Gold Coast. Uh, but there's certainly a few of them around at Griffith University. You've had quite a journey to get to this point, so let's backtrack first. So, which part of Nigeria are you from? I was born in Lagos, but in Nigeria, we actually describe where we are from based on where our father is from. So... I'm from Ekiti, in the western part of Nigeria, but I was born in Lagos. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I haven't come across that before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell me about life in Nigeria, because you lived there until you were, what, late teens? Yeah. Yes, yes. Life in Nigeria was, was okay to me. I enjoyed every bit of it growing up. It wasn't a very rich country, like, like the western country, but uh, it was a country of full of joy, happiness. You just play around. You, you, you live close to one another. Unless if you are in the rural area, but things were very simple, except for the fact that I mean we didn't have a lot of electricity power. Really? Yes, because uh, it's one of the biggest economies in Africa, though, isn't it? Yes, I think it, right now it is the biggest uh, economy in Africa. But yes, when I was there, and I think even right now, they have big issues with you know s- supplying the population with seasons with power and electricity. So that was the major issue that I can recollect. Other than that, I was very young. I guess for me middle class family and everything was good so you didn't uh, struggle too much in middle class yeah uh, no no not not really um, not as i now when I, when you look at the tv and you see what's happening in in uh, or what the media tells us about africa i didn't really experience that uh much of that uh growing up besides the constant like, lack of power that uh, was the only noticeable thing. That was the only noticeable thing. Um, I mean, the roads were bad, but like as a child, that, is, that really does not, does not affect, has a, a direct impact on your, of your, in your life. The light was the only one that I, the power, lack of power was the only thing that I thought was a big issue growing up in uh, Nigeria. So was it a big family, like a lot of brothers and sisters? Yes, yes. I have four other siblings, but I have a lot of cousins. And, and the way we, I grew up, my cousins are my siblings as well. So I grew up, we all went to the same schools, 
my cousins. Yeah, it's a big family and we're still in touch, you know, so. Very close. Yeah. You mentioned school. You went to an international school, didn't you? Yes, yes. I, I started off at a Catholic boarding school in the area where my parents are from. Uh, they believed that, you know, kids in the cities are a bit notorious. So what would happen is some parents will send their kids back to the rural area. And in my case, I went to a Catholic boarding school in that rural area. And then towards the end of my time there, I think grade 10 or something, grade 11, I was transferred to an international school, so the international U.S. school. Uh, run by the U.S. Embassy, the U.S. government, because my a lot of my family uh, lived in the U.S. and I was transferred to that school in preparation for me going to university. So that school prepared students for the American ACT exams, and that is the exam that you do to go to a university in the U.S. So I spent the last two years of my secondary years with a bunch of kids from different international backgrounds. Some kids, they had parents from Asia, but because their parents also wanted them to go to school in the U.S., so they'll come to this school as well. So we all sort of mingled together. And, and uh, right. And so would, would this be like a lot of foreign nationals that might be working in Nigeria would send their kids to this school as well? Or? Yes, yes, yes. A lot of Nigerian students, obviously, mostly Nigerian students, from different sort of backgrounds. Because in Nigeria, we have different ethnic groups. So kids from different kind of backgrounds. And then we have foreigners as well who had, were trying to prepare their, their children to go to school in the US so a lot of folks went to that school and got prepared for the uh, for the exams there. So your parents sent you to this international school to prepare yeah. you to go to university in the US. You said you had four older siblings so did they all go to university in the US? Yes, too? yes. They were born actually in the US. So I was the only one that was born in Nigeria. So my parents had gone to the US so I pretty much grew up with my grandparents. So my siblings to answer your question, yes, they did go to university in the US. But in my own case, I went to a lot of my, I did my high school in Nigeria and then had to prepare to go join my family in the US. Ah, so yeah. you didn't really grow up with your family. So all your siblings and your mum and dad were in the US and you were growing up with your grandparents in Nigeria? Yes, yes, pretty much, yes, yes. Wow, so, how did uh, that happen? I guess my, a lot of my family and my family members had the opportunity to go to, to, go to the US and they took the opportunity and I was still young and... They felt that it wasn't the right, you know, with the movement. It just it wasn't it was very convenient. And they thought it was better for me as a young child growing up to be around my grandma and where I wouldn't experience a lot of stress because they were just moving and trying to find their, their way in America. So that was pretty much how that happened. Wow. Uh, Did you feel kind of left out or that you'd been left behind? No, I think when you're a child, you don't really think about these things. You just live life and enjoy life. And... The great thing was, I mean, like, my classmates actually my, tell them my family's in America. So that makes makes me look, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just stood out for that reason. So I enjoyed, I didn't really miss, cause, you know, because I was, you know, talk to them on the phone and, you know, yeah, you know, you, you get gifts from the U.S. and all these, all these things that probably didn't have access to in Nigeria. So I didn't really feel that I, that I was missing out, especially because my siblings weren't born either at that time. You know, it was just me. So it wasn't that, like, you know, they were there and I was here. It was, you know, so, yeah. So when you graduate from high school, you go to the US. Did you reconnect with your family then? Yes. So obviously, you know, they'll come to Nigeria. When, and then when I was ready for university, I went back and then, you know, started, you know, actually didn't go. But my family lived in Atlanta, Georgia. But I got a scholarship in Kansas. So I went to university in Kansas. So, yes, I'll go home. 
and the summer holiday and Christmas and every little chance that I have. But I was actually still away from my family because I was in university. So even after all that time, you yeah. went straight to Kansas, I went straight to Kansas. and your family's living in yes. Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so what did you study at university in Kansas? I studied chemistry and biochemistry. I did a double major in chemistry and biochemistry uh, in Kansas. So. so you always had an interest in science? You were very good at it? Yes, yes, yes. Getting a Yes. I'm not sure if my original interest was in science, but, you know, that's uh, if you come from my... So diff- like from the kind of tribe that I come from, in that tribe, we believe in struggling education. So you have no choice but to study. And every parent would usually try to encourage their children towards, towards studying science. So I think I was encouraged to go pursue science. I'm not sure if I had a natural interest in it. But as soon as I started doing it, I enjoyed it. I did well in it. I excelled in it. And then I had uncles in the medical field. And so I had people that I could relate to into some sort of science. But I was, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I actually just, yeah, I was encouraged to go study science yeah, right. and, then I, and I enjoyed it. Are the sciences more revered in Nigeria because it's still a developing country? It doesn't have access to perhaps uh, some of the technology or scientific resources or even electricity that other first world countries might take for granted? Yes, not because of electricity, but more because I think the perfect career to every Nigerian parent seems to be in the sciences. Like, like medicine or pharmacy, you know, those are the thought of respected careers. So every parent wanted their children to go study things like this. Or, you know, so I don't think it's because of the, or, or they believe that, at least that you would be able to get a job easily. So that's why science is respected. So if you, for example, if you're doing like, like, um, what would be some sort of, if you're, if you're doing, like mechanical engineering. I think, say, for example, mechanical engineering is a fantastic course that you could explore different options in mechanical engineering in Australia. In Nigeria, I don't think there's a lot of opportunities to explore in mechanical engineering. So you won't be taken too seriously for that reason. You know? oh, Whereas if you're good at... Because the opportunities aren't there. Yes. But in medicine, medicine. or the, those sciences, yes, the medical sciences. Yes, exactly. Right. So, so you go and do biochemistry yes. in Kansas. Yes, at that stage, did you have an idea of what your career was going to be? Did you have something in mind? Yes, because I enjoy talking to people a lot. I like I like talking and I was enjoying sciences a lot. My uncle was a doctor and I was being encouraged to, to go to that profession. So, And I really enjoyed chemistry. And in, in America, to, to, to study medicine, you have to have had a degree, a first degree. And so it was perfect for me. You know, I, have, I, have a, I love chemistry, I love people. So that pretty much led the way to me, to me wanting to study medicine. So that's how I started pursuing that, that interest in that track towards trying to get into this career area in the medical sciences. Okay. I'll get to when you graduated, but I'm curious to know, because you, even though your family was growing up in the US, you'd grown up in Nigeria. How did you adapt to moving at, how old were you, 17, 18? Oh, seven, yeah, 17. just done 17, just about 16. 17? Yeah, yeah, 17, yeah. Going to the US. Yeah. Was that a radical wake-up call for you? Yes, what was it like? very, 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 yeah, big wake-up call for me because in Nigeria, I've always, you watch all these things in the media, you know, on the TV, and you think it's real life, you know, you think that's how the real world actually works. There a lot of things I didn't know about myself. For, for example, like, I didn't even know that I was, Black, if you know what I mean, like, like for example, like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't see myself differently. If you get what I mean, like, like I would see someone from a different country, say from Europe. I know they look differently, and I'm in- interested. But for example, in my, I didn't realize that in America it's a different issue. 
that you could be seen differently. Yeah, Because exactly. in Nigeria, you weren't. didn't matter who, what you look like. You're just a person. Exactly. So yeah. there's a real difference. You could feel a racial kind of undercurrent. Was it yeah, like that? Yeah, definitely. Like in Nigeria, like in the school that I went to, I had friends who were uh, Caucasians. And I was curious towards their difference. But there was a curiosity of full of positivity. I didn't have to separate from them or they separate from me. But when I went to America, in university, I realized that, uh, yeah, it meant something. That was the biggest, first, first biggest culture shock I had. That I was, you know, um, I, yeah, we, we go to this class together, but we are different. We are you're African-American, you're African, you know. There was all these names that we yeah, so, so Caucasian people didn't really mix with, with black people? Oh, no, no, no. There was, mix, mix, there was a mixture of we, we got along well, we did everything together, but just the fact that for once I realized that I'm a black person. If you know what I mean. You were seen differently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, were like, you treated differently. Do you think? That no, not necessarily. I wasn't treated differently, but I just realized that. Okay, for example, African Americans would sit at, at the table together. African American, you know what I mean? Like people were sitting separately from each other, you know, which was yeah. something I, re- I didn't really observe in Nigeria. So instead of me becoming like, if I'd seen someone from Europe, you know, uh, I will be interested in asking them questions about where they're from and. But when I got to America, when, and I realized that actually, oh, I'm a bit different here. That rose my curiosity. I actually learned me learning about myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I didn't know that, you know. So I had to start reading all these history books and, and African American history, and so I wasn't too curious about the opposite. Do you know what I mean? I was now curious about myself, you know. So yeah. it was, <laughs> it was very. <laughs> so did you become more self-conscious then? That yes. In a way that you'd not been before. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a racial problem. It was just. You know what I mean? There wasn't any racial problem I wasn't discriminated against, but I was aware that, okay, I'm different. And so I did, this is maybe how I need to behave around certain people. This is how certain people will look at me. These are the expectations. I'm curious too to know that were you seen differently even within black Americans because you didn't grow up in America. You're not African-American in that sense. You've actually come from Africa and you've only just relocated to America. Suddenly, yes, yes. So that, you haven't grown up with that black American culture. Oh, yes, yes. So that was that was another thing. So like I was saying, exactly, that's part of what I was saying. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. So, because I was studying chemistry and, and the first group of friends that I had were a lot of my friends were Caucasian. So when I went to the cafeteria, I sat with them and then a lot of my African-American friends I came to realize this later. We are looking at me, saying, "Why is this guy always sitting around?" Do you know what I mean? But for me, it wasn't like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, didn't care. I didn't care. And then later on, I started to pick up all these things, and then I re- also realized that they, yes, they treated me differently to start off with. I, I was very young, and so I was very curious, and I've been enjoying African American music even before I left Nigeria. So they, as soon as I realized that I was different, but I was more closer to these people. I started to take more interest in them as well, and I, I embraced their culture very well. And I think for me, after my first year, I, I was very Afri- African-American, you could put it that way. Like, I really, really embraced the culture, joined a lot of the frat- uh, fraternity groups. as been African, but slowly I, I, I did embrace in, uh, the culture very well, the African-American yeah. culture very well. Do you well. think, uh, because you're in Kansas and that's yeah. the Midwest, which is a pretty conservative yeah. part of the U.S., was it more about where you were in America? Do you think it would have been quite the same if you'd gone to New York or Washington or somewhere else? Definitely. I think Kansas was a fair place. For example, Atlanta, like in, in Georgia, I did summer school in Georgia. And like in, in Kansas, we may see differently, but we are still all friends. 
in Atlanta, it was totally different. Like there was no mingling. That you know what I mean? Like Atlanta, the school that I went to in Atlanta, the district school in Atlanta, like I, I felt like you know you could just feel it that this t- racial tension was was still there. Yeah, yeah. like there weren't there weren't no like mingling at all. No, hello, hello. You know, just people were very you know. You're in the south. Now. Exactly. Whereas. So, the racial tensions are still there. For that's a legacy from a long time ago. Yes, yes. Did so, you worry? Did you feel threatened, or did you feel uncomfortable in that environment? No, because America is a black and white country. Like a lot of, like it doesn't really bother me because there's a lot of people that I could be friends with. You know, I have my friends. So if if one group of people didn't want to interact with me, there's oh, do you know what I mean? Like so, it doesn't really really bother me. You just see these things, and you think about me coming from Nigeria, where like I had friends from France, and like she and me would play soccer together. Would you know? Would, there was nothing separating us or, 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 or holding us from really interacting with one, one another. Whereas in America, which is supposed to be a very progressive, developed country, and this is what I'm experiencing. You know, so there wasn't any racial, necessarily any racial uh, hatred, but it's just that it's there. You see it, it's there, yeah. and then you become more self-aware of yourself. I'm starting to learn about yourself, starting to learn about black history and starting to read about all these things. Not because I wanted to, again, but because the society is set up to make me learn more about myself. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it was a real shock for you because so, this wasn't what you'd experienced no. from the America you knew from watching yeah. television. Yes. The reality was yes. far different. Yes. I was going to America to embrace, to be fully amazed in everything that it has, it's, it's got to offer. You do you, you really you don't really embrace every you, know, you can't really jump and embrace Chiaravia you know like yeah. So do you think you know America prides itself on being the great democracy and the land of the free? Do you think that that's a misnomer? Do you think that that's kind of false advertising if you want to put it that way? Given that your experience there, no, not really. I think yes. The problem with my first culture shock being racial tension. Yes, yes. There's a racial problem. But then, if you want to accomplish things, that's what that's America doesn't praise itself on racial progression. They are saying it's the land of the free in terms of what you can accomplish when immigrants come there, what they can truly accomplish. And I think, in that respect, for my own family's progression in life and those that are sitting around me, yes, I, I really think so. It's a it, land of opportunity. It's a land of opportunity. Yeah. Like, immigrants are doing well. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to have university university degree to really accomplish. You know, just as long as you're hardworking, as you know, as long as you're innovative, you can find something to do to do in America. And that's what I think sets America apart from a lot of the countries that I've lived in and I've seen immigrants settle in. And that's what America is selling itself to the world as the land of opportunities. Yeah, sure. And okay, you got a sense of that there. So you graduate from University of Kansas. What happened there? After that, I wanted to explore the world. I wanted to explore what I thought I was going to explore when I was in Nigeria, coming to the U.S. So I was thinking about studying medicine or do some research work because I was starting to enjoy research work in my last year of my degree. We do a bunch, we do research in chemistry, and I really was really enjoying that. So I was thinking of going to grad school. Uh, I was thinking of going to Canada, not too far away from from the U.S., but far enough. But then I thought, oh, it's still going to be the same thing. You know, the coaches are still going to be similar. I didn't want to be too far away from family, but I still want to try something different. And then a friend of mine, Nathan Blue, said that he got an internship at the American Embassy in New Zealand. 
And then I've never heard of the uh, the country named New Zealand in my <laughs> life. Know that was. Oh no, 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 the country called New Zealand. You know, I actually thought he said Iceland. That's what I said. I thought Iceland. And then I did some research about this place called Iceland or New Zealand. And that's how I started to read up about New Zealand. And I saw these pictures, you know, these beautiful pictures of the of eyes, and it just looks so beautiful. You know, just perfect place you want to be. And I started reading about the All Blacks. You know, just the Maori culture, and then. I had been emailing different postgraduate supervisors. And then the first person that I emailed in New Zealand, the Department of Chemistry at Otago University, the head of the Department of Chemistry, replied to my email in a very nice... Actually, he told me to just look for someone around and select a supervisor that fits my interest. But his, his research work was actually one of the things that I was enjoying to do. It was part of what I did as my undergraduate work. So I told him I was actually interested in his work, and that's how we started communicating. And before I knew it, I applied and offered me a scholarship, and and that was it. And you were off to New Zealand. I was off, I was off to New Zealand <laughs> for a new adventure. <laughs> and your friend who got the internship with the U.S. Embassy, he ended up not going to New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> but he was the reason you were going to. Well, go. he was the reason I was. Yeah, <laughs> well, he ended up not for some reason. He changed his mind about going to New Zealand, but I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're off on this uh, new adventure yeah. on your own. Yes. And was it as much of a culture shock landing in New Zealand as it was going from Nigeria to the US? Yes, but the sort of culture shock I was expecting uh, this time around when I when I left Nigeria, you know, New Zealand is a beautiful place. People are beautiful. Very beautiful. People were welcoming, you know, and exactly, they were interested. In, you know, I was, I was in Dunedin at, at that point, at that time, and they have a lot of African students. You meet people who are... They ask you different questions. Come join us. Come have a beer. You know, mm. I had my first alcohol in New Zealand, my first drink in New Zealand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like people, you know, like I couldn't believe this. I couldn't believe this. Like, is this for real? Like, after coming from America, <laughs> like this, is, I, I, you know, I'm thinking, like, yeah, these guys are too nice. This guy, you know, like it was just, it was fantastic. You know, you felt warmly welcomed. From, I felt yes, they're very friendly people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Dunedin's a, a big university town. Yes, but also very cold. Way down yes. on the South Island. Yes, there. very so cold. So how did you adapt to that? Or having lived in Kansas, it wasn't anything that I wasn't already used to, except for the fact that, yes, it was it was a different kind of coldness. In terms of, like, outside temperature, I knew how to dress for it, but the houses weren't properly insulated. So it was always a challenge, try, you know, trying to keep warm in the house. Okay. That was a challenge that I have in terms of living in the cold city of, of Dunedin. But the weather itself itself wasn't much of a challenge because I'd lived in Kansas. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So What about the New Zealand accent? Did you find that? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I struggled with that. And I still struggle with that. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Funny, yeah. Was this the University of Otago? Yes, what? University of Otago, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and how long were you in Dunedin for? I was in Dunedin for about four years. One of the best four years of my life. Yeah, I imagine, yeah, yeah. You had a great time there, yeah. yeah. You lived in not the steepest street in the world, which I think is Baldwin Street. Baldwin, yes. But you lived behind that street. Yes. This I've been on that steepest oh, street. Oh, really? It's yeah. crazy. Yes, yeah. it is. It's in the Guinness Book of Records, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So you live just behind it. Yes, there's a, there's, a street, there's a street behind it. It's called Chester Street, and I lived on Chester Street. Yeah, so yeah. I lived on Chester Street, and then... It's about a 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes walk from the university. That's in a cold house. In a cold Chester house, Street. yeah. Very well <laughs> okay. So four years in New Zealand, and yeah. then what? Four years in New Zealand, and I did a PhD in chemistry there. And, and after that, I went to Christchurch. Did some postdoc work, and I was there for the earthquake. Oh, really? So, yes. So was, that, was that a scary experience? Oh, a scary experience. Scary Have you experience. been in an earthquake before? Never, never been in it, you know. 
so it was a scary experience. Um, was that about 2011? 2011. They had two yeah, of it. I'm trying I think, to remember yeah. when that was, yeah. They had two different ones. I think the first one was in, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think it was one towards the end of, I think, 2010? Is it 2010? Could have been, one, yeah, but there were two big there ones were two quite ones, close yeah. to each other. Yeah. Exactly, like yeah. exactly one. One was yeah. at, the, at the end of the year, the other one was at the beginning of the following year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I was... I was Oh, man. There for the Where were you? Like, did, did you fear for your life? Oh, yes. Yes. It was a very scary experience. At that time as well, I was um, one of the international coordinators for one of the university halls. So it was even much more stressful because I just didn't have to fear for my own life. I had to account for some of the university students and the whereabouts and, and follow the, the university protocols. And So it was very, very stressful, scary, scary, and just a sad time, to, you know. How different was it in Christchurch? Because so many New Zealanders were impacted. I remember the Central Business District, you couldn't get into it for ages and they, they had to make temporary shopping centres out of uh, shipping containers and all sorts of things. They're very creative in the ways yeah. that they got around it. But how different was it for you living there after the earthquake? It was very different because I remember when I first got there before the earthquake, they had a cathedral square. So like a big church, like a church building. And then it's like a, everybody goes there, like a city centre and like, just that's pretty much downtown where everything happens. And so after the earthquake that we all gone. Everything was gone. Like wiped you know, nothing was there. So you went into the city and you have tans. You know what there were tans and yeah. and, and you wouldn't appreciate unless you've been there. Like you know, these were iconic buildings. It was spread out all around this the city. Just gone. Just gone. Huge. It was unreal because like I didn't live in that area. I lived in a place called Rickardson. And so after the earthquake, I didn't have to go. I didn't usually go into the city. I wasn't doing the city anymore. But after a while, when I actually made the journey to the city, I couldn't believe what I saw. Like, everything was gone. And I think even the ones that, if I remember correctly, even some of the buildings that were still standing, they had to take them apart because they weren't, you know. Dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous, yeah. yeah. Dismantle them anyway. Exactly. Oh, that's Uh, very sad. And after that, I finished my postdoc and, and was looking for opportunities. Um, and it was time, I think, at that time, you know, being fa- uh, away from family, I was already, I was starting to miss my family. I started to miss North America. You could say that I've really enjoyed that discovery that I wanted to live in Nigeria. I finally had it. That was what New Zealand was for. It was time, you know, to, to return home. Well, that's interesting you say home because the US, you'd barely lived there apart yeah. from being at university. So you consider the US your home now? Yes. Yes, the US is where you, it's... I put it this way. Home is really where you... Not necessarily where you are born in, but it's where you find peace and happiness. Where your heart is. Exactly, where yeah. your heart is. And for me, when I enter the airport in the US, regardless of what, what airport it is, I just feel a sense of home, a sense of being, being welcomed. I don't feel that I've been... Taken to the corner, you know, like, there's a lot of problems in the US, but at the same time, that's just home for me. All your family, of course, are there, so I can understand why it would, would feel like home as well. Given that you've grown up in Nigeria up until uh, university age, how much of Nigerian culture is embraced by your family in terms of the fact that even though they live in the US, do they still very much embrace their Nigerian culture or do they just see themselves now as US citizens? I think... Uh, they are still Nigerians, really. Like, I don't think, yeah, everything about, you know, obviously, like, my siblings were born there, yeah. Like, the, yeah, they're Americans, but everything about my family is, is, is 100% Nigerian. Uh, and I think the reason is because there's so much, there's a lot of Nigerians in America, there's a huge Nigerian population there. 
So I think it, it does make, when you have that happening, it, it makes it a bit hard for immigrants to actually uh, integrate, do you know what I mean, into the real American culture. So yeah, they're very, very uh, Nigerian. And okay. and then obviously like my siblings and myself, you know, we go to university and we have our, we have our American friends, we do our things with at home we have the Nigerian, you know, but we haven't lost anything Nigerian and we haven't lost anything American as well. It's just being part of both community and enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. So you get the best of both worlds. Yes. Yeah. So you go back to Atlanta, what do you do? So yeah, I was before I left New Zealand, I was already looking for opportunities and, and then an opportunity came up in, in Canada, in Calgary, Alberta. Before I was going to go to New Zealand, I was already thinking about Canada because that's right. People would always say Canada is the much liberal America. I was you know I wanted to try something different, and Canada was already on my, on my radar. So after New Zealand, and I had met a few um, Canadians, uh, especially one of my friend Nick Chan, and he made a good impression on me about Canada. So I was really excited to go try Canada, and then the, the job fell through, and that was me again, and I was off to Calgary, Alberta. You love those cold places, don't you? <laughs> Kansas, Calgary. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you finally made it to the Gold Coast, but yeah. uh, it's a little bit different here. So, what did you do in Calgary? So, I I was a uh, I was a chemistry lecturer uh, instructor at the university there. Um, so, I just um, I taught chemistry to uh, uh, first year, second year, and third year students. I taught chemistry as well. So, it's just following. Oh, no, my career parts of chemistry, that, that's pretty much what I did there in Canada, yeah. So you were a lecturer there for quite a while? Yes, quite a few years? yes, four yeah. years, yes. And did you enjoy it? Did Canada live up to your expectations? Yes, uh, yes, Canada was, you, you know, Canada was exactly the combination of New Zealand and the US. You know, you, you want to take those good things you found in America and the good things that you found in New Zealand, you want to put them together. Uh, and in Canada is, yeah, really enjoyed Canada, yeah. Which university was it that you were working at? I was at uh, Mount Rio University in, in Calgary. Yeah, right. It's a smaller university. That's two big universities there. It's the University of Calgary and then Mount Rio University. So Did you there. enjoy teaching? I enjoyed teaching. Yeah. I, I enjoyed teaching. Uh, I was a bit young. I was the youngest person on the faculty. Really? So how old were you then? I started, I think I was 29. Yeah. Uh, so it was a new experience. I, cause I, I was more into research. So at, at the school that I went to, it was a teaching school, not a research school. So it's a completely different experience. Uh, okay, so you didn't have to write any papers. Or no, no, you were, you were just going and, and teaching, you know. So there yeah. was no, you know, expectation to publish papers. So it was it was completely different from what I was used to, but I, I enjoyed it. I was still young, but I certainly enjoyed it when I took on that experience. You came here from Canada, is that right? Yes, I came here from Canada. Yes. Why did you come here? I was thinking of a career change, and then a lot of my best friends, good good friends, I met in New Zealand. I think you, you you know like a lot of Kiwis moved to Australia. So a lot of my friends had moved to Melbourne. I'd miss my friends as well. I'd right, miss yeah. my friends and yeah. I'd miss the experiences that I had in in New Zealand as well. And I was looking for a career change, and I was informed about this program that allows a lot of Canadian students to come to Australia, and they can still go back and use their qualifications in in, in Canada as part of the Commonwealth. So there's a reciprocal agreement of recognition, professional record, uh, recognition between uh, Australia and Canada. And I, I was looking to, you know, reunite with my friends as well and I wanted to carry a change and it sounded like a perfect opportunity, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> so, so I had applied to come to go to, I was looking at 
going to Melbourne. I, yeah. I, I come in, I came before that, came and visit Melbourne and I enjoyed, you know, met up with my friends, enjoyed it. I was excited to come back. And so I applied to Melbourne University and chosen a few programs. And um, and eventually it, it, it worked out and I got into one of the programs that I wanted to get into, uh, but unfortunately not in Melbourne. Yeah, oh. On the Gold Coast. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. So yes. you didn't get to Melbourne after all? So, no, I didn't get to Melbourne, unfortunately. Yeah. But I got into to the program here on, on the Gold Coast, and that was still okay for me because I, I thought, well, I'll just fly on the weekend, fly on the weekend. So oh, yeah, jump yeah. on a plane to Melbourne. Jump on the plane, yeah, 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 exactly. My friends could calm down. And, you know, Has I it just, worked out that way? No, no. <laughs> I was like, no, with COVID. <laughs> too busy, too busy. <laughs> too busy, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so. so you moved to dentistry now. That's what you wanted to do. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So. And how have you enjoyed that at Griffith? Oh, I'm enjoying it. Really, yeah. really. The facility's amazing. Oh, beautiful. It's yeah. fantastic. Like You walk in there and there's just like hundreds of dentist chairs, like studios, all. Exactly, yes. And, really and, and the instructors are great, fascinating instructors. A lot of worldly experience from different parts of the world. Yeah, I'm very impressed. So the Gold Coast wasn't on your radar, but because you wanted to come and do dentistry, yes. you came here. Yes. yes. You think this is where you want to be now, that dentistry is going to be your field? Yes, I think so. I'm enjoying yeah. it. It's a very fascinating field, you know, like I've always been into science. I enjoy arts as well. But what I really like about dentistry is just besides helping people, you, you just get to combine science and arts. And then more importantly, you get to think with your hands. You know, like I've never thought of being able to think with my hand. You know, And that's what dentistry is all about. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a very special aspect of dentistry, yeah. So. Are you a hands-on kind of guy though? Like yeah, has that yeah. always been part of, part of who you are, do you think? Uh, no, but now that I'm doing it, I, it's just fascinating. You know what I mean? I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. I didn't realize that you could do so much with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. You know, that's, I think that's what even makes me love it more. It still has a science in it, but then there's this excitement like, oh, wow, this is what I could do. You know, it's, just, it's just different from what I'm, I've always been doing. So I enjoy it very much. Dentistry is an interesting career because a lot of people, A, have fear of dentists, like don't yeah. like, you know, teeth, pain, all that sort of stuff. But I would think, wow, spending your day with your hands in other people's mouths. <laughs> uh, some of them presumably might have bad breath too and you think, wow, I don't know if I could do that for a living. So I think you've got to be pretty brave to be a dentist. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you talked about one of the attractive aspects of coming here is that the qualifications are recognised in Canada. Yes, yes. The legacy of being part of the Commonwealth. Yes. And I'm thinking... You love New Zealand, which is also part of the former British Empire and the Commonwealth. Nigeria is a former British colony. Yes, so yes. I'm just wondering, is there any kind of connection that you feel being Nigerian and, and these Commonwealth countries now that you've spent significant amounts of time in, do you see that? Which is very different yeah. to America. Yes, yes. Actually, you, you are right. I think when you go to America as an African person, you are able to settle there because there's a lot of Africans there. But when you come to, to uh, I think to maybe New Zealand or, or Australia, it's very open in a different way. Or Canada, it's, it's very open in a different way. It's open in a different way that I don't think America is open in. Yeah, and that might be the link for me. The jokes, for example, the way people make their jokes here, I think I find in these countries or, they are, or the way they are open to joking around, it's sort of similar to the way we joke around in Nigeria. You know, ability to laugh. I don't think people take themselves too seriously. But you think they do in America? Yeah, yeah whereas here you could, could laugh. You know, yeah. <laughs> we have a capacity to laugh at yes, ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. yes. So, 
And so I thought I think that's very important, you know. That's one of the core things we all look for in life to be able to laugh and be happy. And so and when you can find someone to laugh with, it makes it easy for you to settle and adapt to all as well. Yeah, true. And I think that's the advantage. Like I said, like there hasn't been much of a culture shock in any of these countries. I've just gone there. You know, like in America I had this big culture shock. You don't feel here or New Zealand or Canada that you're looked at differently by people. You're just another person. Or well, even if I do now it's because I'm aware of it. I don't think if I'd come from Nigeria, I would have felt how I felt in America. Now, being quite so obvious. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, did you become politicized in that American landscape? Yeah, definitely. In yeah. what way? Um, naturally, I became a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not a tr- not a Trump fan. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't think Trump did much for Black America. Somehow, you don't know, you know, like you know, I didn't, you know, like I mean, now I, I, read, you know, I think about the policies, but. As a young person, I didn't even think about any policy. It was just okay, just you know. <laughs> so, uh, but is it a country that it's hard not to become politicized in? I wonder. You have to be something. You're in America. Yeah, it's just it's just the way the system is set up. So, do you identify as being Nigerian, American? What nationality do you see yourself as? Ah, uh, Nigerian. I'm Nigerian. I like being Nigerian. I'm Nigerian. Nigeria is part of who I am. But equally, I think I left Nigeria. I didn't grow up into a man in Nigeria. You know, I, I grew up in, in America and partly New Zealand is where I discovered myself. So began to shape you and, yeah, and your and your worldview as a young exactly. man. Exactly. I've yeah. my my ideas, my what I believe in. So being Nigerian is just who I am. It's where I where I'm born, my my heritage, which I, I I'm grateful for. But in terms of where I see the world and what I believe in, mostly American, partly New Zealand as well. One thing that you you talk about the way you think, the way you see things. You've done a lot of work in Canada, I don't know, in New Zealand, but working with young people. You're doing it here on the Gold Coast yes, as well, aren't you? Yes, yes. So what kind of work are you doing with them? Uh, on the Gold Coast yeah. um, right now, um, I, 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 the work that I am involved in has to do with mentoring young uh, adults sort of related to mental health but not on the extreme aspect of mental health but just more of just giving guidance to to young adults who probably uh, lack family support or um, don't have relatives around and just um, encouraging them and making sure they're living a purposeful life getting them out into the community engaging them into the community trying to um, help them find a purpose so they can become independent where are you doing that on the Gold Coast? I work for a company called Aruma, and we have different homes for them homes. So it's not just one particular location, you know. So you can go out and help out at this different home today and go to the another one next day. So you get to you know, meet you know, different clients as well. Are you seen essentially as a counselor? And if so, do you have to have some sort of counselling qualifications? Um, no, I'm, I'm not a uh, I'm not a counselor, and I'm not seen as a counselor. But we are trained. We're given trained, and you have to. Uh, we have certain training we partake in that sort of helps us with how we approach issues. And there's always constant seminars, development seminars, organised directly related to NDIS called National Disability Insurance Scheme. Oh, the NDIS. Yeah, yeah. So anyone involved with NDIS is always training or or something that you have to be constantly engaged in. So we always have ways that that we update ourselves and trainings we go to. 
As required. As required, yeah. yeah. With the regulations. Yeah. So, so obviously you've been around young people a lot. Your life has been in academia, whether you're studying as a student or as a lecturer. But what is it that led you down this path to want to mentor young people? Does it come from your family background, that sense of having that support network within your family? Or is it more something that's been shaped by your experience of outside of your family? Oh, it's, 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 within, it's within my family. Uh, like I said, very, very closely connected. And I'm the first child as well. So I think I've always had this responsibility to uh, look after people. So I, th- I think that's what it is. It's 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 a family. I think it's a family thing, and it's something that I, that, I, that I hold very dearly to me. And that's what I try to bring to the job as well. Make it as homely as possible. I think it's very important uh, having a family and so people you can connect with. When you're working with these young people here, do you find there's a bit of a disconnect that, that perhaps they? see you as being not Australian, coming from a very different cultural background? And if so, how do you bridge that? How do you make that connection with them? Yes, suddenly. So you're on the, uh, it's really on your first day on the job, you know, and I think anybody would always, you know, you go into a place for the first time, you know. But then, I guess, because I've always been around young people, I, I'm always up to date with what's happening, for example, video games, you know, uh, music. So I think these are the things that I've been, over time, once you start chatting with some of them and you, you realise that we share the same sort of interest in music and some video game and... and, and you it can just, relate. It just yeah. And in the end, once you start laughing with people, you just connect and you forget about the barrier of, oh, he's not Australian, you know, you just have a good time. And so the fact that, yeah, I, I just... I've been around a lot of young people and, and I just... I'm aware of what's happening these days, even though I'm a bit older, it makes it easier for me to connect a lot. And for you personally, what's the most gratifying part of doing what you do in that space? Just seeing how they become very independent. You get to know them and we have protocols, you know, and sometimes, you know, they don't want to do certain things and once you've gotten to know them, you have agreements and and it's these are things that are good for them as well. So... Let's say I'm, I'm going into work and before I get there and they've already done it. They're not even waiting for me to get there. And just, you know, just they've done it and just, just waiting for me to arrive so they can tell me they've done it. And they're proud of that. They're proud of that. Yeah. That's, that's the entire idea, independent. And to know that you've been the catalyst to make yes. that happen. Yes. Yeah. Whereas when I started, I mean, you know, you're trying to encourage them and they don't want to do it and then a couple of months down the line and and then that's, a, that's done and you move, you find something else that you want to help them do, you know. I hope they accomplish. It must be a great feeling to, very, to do that. Very, very good feeling. And then see them, happiness as well. So knowing that you're coming to work uh, and knowing that when you come to work that brings them happiness, them joy, that's a beautiful thing. This is the thing that always amazes me. And I think to a lot of people that aren't necessarily involved in the international student community or education, is that how much international students contribute to our society outside of what they do here. So many students I've spoken to and met who are active volunteers or helping people that might have come from disadvantaged backgrounds or whatever it might be. And to be in there doing that and to be actively involved in a community because you're not an Aussie, you don't have a vested interest in our society necessarily and yet you've come here not only to study but actually to contribute something beyond that as well, which is amazing, really. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you, yes, yes. I don't. No, yes. thank you. Thank <laughs> you for doing it. Aside from the, the contribution in itself, it just builds better relationships, better understanding between cultures. Yes. 
just better acceptance. Yes, and, and you know, like you said, like even for me, like even you know, it might be seen as me helping, but at the same time, through engaging with work, in university, is too sometimes it's too busy. But when I get to go to work, I'm footy, for example. Like I'm watching footy. Yeah. I need to learn to watch. Footy. This is something that as a university student, I don't have the time to to watch footy. You know, yeah. so I'm learning something about the Australian culture myself. Something that I wouldn't have learned by just. You know what I mean? Like that's right. Just by know, going to uni, university. There's yeah. certain things I learn about the Australian culture by being a uni, but being a work as well. There's certain things I, I get to learn, and and I'm sure that will become part of. Just, just like I have stories about New Zealand. These are little things they that I, I really cherish about yeah. Australia. You know, and be a little piece of you that will always yeah, be exactly. here in Australia. So, how many more years to go do you have until you complete your degree? So I'm just starting my my third year, a five year program. So three, three years. years. Yeah. Um, when you're done. What's the plan? Are you thinking Canada? Are you thinking New Zealand? Are you thinking Australia? Where? Nigeria? Uh, <laughs> Where? Oh. America? Uh, or somewhere else? <laughs> like the Gold Coast? I didn't. My, like I said, my plan wasn't to come to the Gold Coast, but you know, you go to the to Summer's Paradise Beach, or like you can't fault the life on the Gold Coast. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's hard to beat. I always and uh, a very safe place to be at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Time, you know, so right now, right now, I'm very content, very happy, very grateful to Australia for allowing us to come and share this experience and be here with you guys. So, my family is America. My family is America. So there will always be this desire to want to be back. But at the same time, I always ask my. If I haven't tried, I haven't lived in New Zealand, I haven't lived in Canada, and and. Especially in, in in last three or four years politically, I've always asked myself the question: Do I want to? Uh, <laughs> 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 so to be really honest with you, I'm not sh- sure exactly what my future plans are because I'm content here, and even though I want to go back home for family reasons, your home is is, is a hot place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe there will be many homes for yeah. you. Any there already are. You mentioned COVID and being safe here, but your family's in the US and yes. we know how dire the situation is there. Do you worry about them? Yes, I worry a lot. I, I, I worry a lot. Not everybody believes in COVID. But my family personally, you know, they're doing everything to protect themselves. But obviously, if your neighbours don't really care, then you really you won't be worried. So I'm worried for that reason. It's extraordinary that, and I know there's a lot of misinformation out there, but with America in particular, you know, people are saying, oh, it's my democratic right not to wear a mask or whatever it might be. But when you see so many people dying at the rate of infection that's out of control, surely you must start to look at that and think, actually, maybe we do need to do something here. Yes, yes. There's something much bigger than my personal freedom or my perceived idea of what personal freedom is. Yeah, I think sometimes it just comes down to, to the politics. I think that that's really affected this the way this entire thing has been treated, and that's what makes Australia different. To be really honest, to just put the politics aside and just get on with it and dealt with it. But yeah, it's it's worrying because you know the numbers are still there, the infections are still there, and and nobody just knows. I can't go home, for example. Yeah, like right now, I would like to see my family, but I can't go home. And they can't come here. I can't come here. Because if I was to go home, I can't come back in. Because I have a lot of Canadian friends who who went home when the COVID started happening. Like, yeah, sure, we'll go home. But they haven't been able to come back. It's a knowing, tough one, isn't it? Knowing that, I obviously can't make that. As soon as I want to go home, uh, yeah, so... 
It's a tough one. So even though you're missing family and friends at home, do you feel as though you have a good support network here? Yes, yes. The university is very helpful, pretty helpful. Griffith University, very good school. Uh, I've made a few friends from all Australians, Nigerians, just so. Yes, I have a, I have a, I miss my family, but I'm pretty content with the group of friends we, that I have here, and I think that has helped, you know, the entire situation. Um, so it's been good. Yes. Well, I, I won't push you on where you think you might end up because three years is a very long time in the current world when uh, in a world of so much uncertainty. But for now, it looks like we're going to have the pleasure of your company at least for a few more years on the yes, Gold Coast. Uh, yes, yes, well, f- few more years and then uh, America will always, you know, you know we'll, not America really, you know, like be Canada, like my degree automatically allows me to go back to Canada to work. Um, so, and then my family, so if I... My family's in the U.S., so I'm most likely going. Uh, I'm probably going back to North America, uh, but I, I'm trying to enjoy <laughs> having on the Gold Coast. And then when that time comes, you know, which is going to be the next three years, and then, yeah, we'll take, I'll take it from there. We'll see. It might be much harder to leave in three years' time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so many roads, but where will they eventually lead Enitan Ibisami? Like so many other international students, Eni contributes a great deal to our city beyond his academic achievements. His genuine love and enthusiasm in mentoring our youth is a truly wonderful thing and illustrates how valuable our international students are to our culture and community. If you'd like to discover more of their stories, you'll find them at www.studygoldcoast.org.au podcast. My name is Trevor Jackson, and I'll catch you next time for Tomorrow is Mine.